Hey, we're Living Water CC, and you're listening to Share Hope Podcast, where we love God, we love people, and we share hope. Today, we are going to go on with our series entitled Seven. This is the series that will take us into Easter Sunday. And I know that, uh, I know for a fact that this Easter, 2020, will be an Easter to remember. So we're going to look at the third word today. We're looking at the words and the, the phrases that Jesus spoke as he is hanging uh, on the cross. We will look at the third word today. And if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to ask you to open them or, uh, you know, scroll there on, on, your, on your device and look for John chapter 19. This is John chapter 19. Uh, by this time, Jesus has been crucified, and he has been hanging on the cross for approximately six hours. It is amazing to see uh, that even as he is hanging on the cross, even in these moments of suffering and great, great pain, uh, we don't see Jesus losing control of his emotions, losing control of his actions, or losing control of himself. We don't hear him cursing. We don't see him in any way showing any type of hate. In fact, we see the opposite. He focuses on others instead of, of himself. He looks at the Roman soldiers. He looks at the religious leaders. He looks at the onlookers around uh, the cross. And we hear that first phrase that he, that he prays. And he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. After that, his focus is, is turned now to the criminal that is crucified uh, next to him, and he speaks to that criminal in a very personal way, and he says, today you will be in paradise. And finally, his scope, kind of, his scope of attention becomes tighter, uh, and the focus is on those that are dearest to him. I find a very intimate and, and truly a, a moving moment in this whole passion of, of Christ. Here is a, a moment of true intimacy. And this is John chapter 19, verse 23. John 19, 23. Look at what it says. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus... They took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. Four parts, four soldiers. So the details allow us to, to kind of uh, picture the scene. Four men standing around the foot of this cross, and they have uh, stripped Jesus of his clothing, and they have taken uh, those garments, and now they are just dividing them amongst themselves. Uh, when we speak about these four garments, it probably includes his headpiece, uh, the robe, probably his sandals, and his belt. Now, here is a meaningful detail. Apart from those four pieces that I mentioned, there is an extra garment, and verse 23 goes on to say, also his tunic. It separates these four garments from this particular garment called in this, in, in this verse 
a tunic in our translation. This is a separate piece of clothing. The word used there is extremely important. The word used there is ketone, ketone. Ketone refers to something that is in close proximity. And in ancient uh, Middle Eastern culture, it made reference to undergarments. Really, that, that's what it, that's what it, it meant, undergarments. Um, Jewish legend, now please pay attention to this, not the Bible, Jewish legend says that it was common for Jewish mothers to sew uh, a special garment. Uh, whenever, whenever their sons got ready to maybe leave home or go on with their, with their careers, with whatever uh, work that they were going to, to do, when, when they went out into the world to become adults, uh, Jewish mothers would, would usually uh, sew this, this garment together and, and they would present it to their sons as they left home. Uh, moms, I, I think you can, you can understand this piece and, and this detail. Moms always uh, looking after, especially their sons, especially their sons, and uh, even to the, to the last detail. Now, this is not an ordinary garment. Here is a very special detail. Verse 23 and on keeps saying, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Woven in one piece. Mary had woven, she had taken the time to weave this, this garment from top to bottom. She didn't just take two pieces of fabric and put them together at the, at the shoulders. She wove everything from top to bottom. We are, we are seeing here a, a very, very detailed work, very technical, very, very special. Only one other time is this type of work and this type of garment mentioned in the Bible, and that's in the Old Testament when the Bible speaks of the garments of the high priest. And so I'll leave that with you so that you can kind of think about it and maybe go on and do your own, your own study uh, on this, just the reference. The, old, the high priest in the Old Testament, now our high priest, Jesus, and there's a connection uh, through this garment. Now, this, this detail, the fact that the garment was woven in one piece, it makes it a special, makes a special connection with the, with the rest of the verses, the ones that we are about to read. And this is verse 24, and it says, So they said to one another, this is the soldiers saying to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them. For my clothing, they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. When those rude and coarse men put their dirty hands on this special tunic, they touched an intimate and very delicate part of Jesus' heart. And Jesus reacts to it. And the reaction is, he turns and he looks at his mother. What a moving moment. What a moving connection. Verse 26 says, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, 
the disciple took her to his own home. What a tender moment. Jesus making arrangements for his mother. Even as he is hanging on the cross, he is thinking of others, especially his mother, who will now be left alone. What does this mean to us? Is there a significant application for our lives in, in what, we just, what we just read? I think, I think there is, and I think there are at least three applications for us today. Here is the first one. The cross is a place of grace. Grace, an unmerited gift, something we didn't earn or worked for, a free gift, a free gift that is not based on on anything we have done. We see that gift of grace in, in John. The fact that, like the rest of the disciples, John ran away. John disappeared. Matthew 26, 56 says that when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples, and that includes John, all the disciples ran away. They, they, they disappeared. They left Jesus alone. And in this scene, we don't, we don't see Jesus asking John, why? Explain to me, why is it that at my, my moment of need, when I needed you the most, you, among, along with, with the other disciples, you ran away, you, you fled, you escaped, you hid from me? No, we, we don't see any questions being asked here. We don't see Jesus asking for explanation. We see unmerited grace something that John did not deserve. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, giving grace to John. In full grace, Jesus looks at John and he says, John, take care of my mom. Not just take care of her, take, care, take her as your own. Be her son. That, my friends, is unmerited grace. John did not deserve to have Jesus even look upon him. But Jesus not only looks at him, Jesus entrusts him with his mother. I wonder if today, maybe you feel like a failure because maybe you didn't keep your side of the bargain. Maybe there are some promises that you made and, 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 and you didn't keep those promises. Uh, uh, trust was given to you and, and you failed. Maybe today you're feeling that you have failed not only others, but you have failed God. On that day, from the cross, Jesus was thinking of you and he was thinking of me. And since then, he has been offering us grace. Grace, that free, undeserved gift of acceptance. No matter where you have been, no matter, no matter where you are at right now, no matter what you have done, no matter how far away from God you are, in his grace, he is saying, come back. We're okay. Here is a second application. The cross is not only a place of grace, but the cross is a place of changed relationship. Now, if you notice in the scriptures that we read, 
When Jesus speaks to Mary, his mother, he calls her woman. Not mom, not mother, but woman. The word that Jesus uses here is a term that denotes uh, ultimate respect. He is in no way being disrespectful. This is ultimate respect. This is the way one would address a person of distinction, a person of position, uh, the way one would address a queen, my lady, your highness. In our language and in our culture, that word would be ma'am, ma'am. What is important here is that it indicates a change in relationship. The earthly ties between Mary and Jesus were now going to be broken. He would no longer be her son. He would now be her savior. As Mark Lowry says in his beautiful song, Mary, Did You Know? The baby you delivered will soon deliver you. A change in relationship. Not only for Mary, a change in relationship for John, the beloved disciple. He experiences a change in relationship at the cross because Mary would no longer be his friend's mom. Mary would now be his mother. Verse 27 says, And from that hour, the disciple, John, took her, Mary, to his own home. You see, at the cross, there is a change in relationship. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, he says that at one time, we were without Christ, without hope. We were far away from God. We had no relationship with God. Sin, sin had made up this barrier that kept us from having any type of relationship with God. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, our relationship has changed. Now we have the privilege and the honor to be called children of God. When we were foreigners, when we were aliens, when we were away from God, now we are children of God. Even the relationship between us, those of us who, those of us who, who, who have come to know Jesus as our Savior, those of us who, who belong to, to, to God, even that relationship has changed. We are now brothers and sisters. That's what we call each other in church. Brothers and sisters, a changed relationship. Doesn't matter how far away you are from God. It doesn't even matter what relationship you think you have or you think you don't have. Today, because of the cross, Jesus comes close to you to offer a better relationship. No matter what relationship you have now, there's always an opportunity. He is offering a better, a closer relationship to him. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your all. The cross, a place of grace, a place of changed relationships, 
But the cross is also where Jesus took our place. And it is there that now he asks us to take his place. Verse 27 says, Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. I think that what Jesus is saying to John is this. John, my time here is over. I finished my task. I will no longer be here. And this woman, my mother, Mary, she needs someone to take care of her. I, Jesus is saying, I will not be able to care for her. John, will you do that job for me? Will you care for her? Will you take my place in caring for my mother? The meaning of this, of this charge that Jesus is giving John applies to us in that in that the good news, the gospel, the gospel has to be preached. Jesus is no longer on earth. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. The job needs to be done. The world is in chaos now more than ever. The world is in fear. It is, it is in uncertainty. Jesus left us a task. The task of going into the world and preaching the good news from the cross. Jesus sends us a missionary call and he says, you must preach now. You must take on the task. You are my hands. You are my feet. You are my voice. The work of evangelizing the world is now in our hands the church. He said to the disciple, here is your task. Take care of my mom. He says to us, here is your task. Take the good news unto all the world. Woman, behold your son. And to the disciple, he said, behold your mother. As I finish today, I would want you to remember that from the cross, Jesus is extending grace. If you feel like a failure, if you feel like you've made too many mistakes, if you feel that you are away from God, He is calling out to you, come, come close to me. At the cross, Jesus is wanting to change that relationship. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your companion. And from the cross, Jesus is asking us now to take his place. In a sad and disoriented world, in the midst of this great pandemic, you and I are his eyes, his feet, his hands, and his voice as we share hope with others. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we come to you in the middle of the situation that we are living, times of uncertainty, times of chaos, times in which we need you so much. We look to the cross and we hear your voice 
from the cross, telling us that there is grace for us. I pray that those that have been listening to me today would take advantage of this moment and that they would just approach the cross and open their ears to hear you calling out to them, extending your grace, wanting to change that relationship, wanting to come close to them, to be part of their lives, to become their Savior, their God. And Lord, today we also hear the charge that you give us to go, to take, to be you in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of these particular days that we are living. Allow us to be able to share words of hope among those that feel hopeless. We worship you and we thank you for this opportunity. In your name, amen. <laughs>